Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Reese. It's really it takes a lot of bravery to get up the front, doesn't it? So thank you. And so I want to invite Howard forward to talk, who's going to preach both on the, that psalm uh, and also share his own very fascinating personal experience of silence and children, which is which is great. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Good evening. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name's Howard. Um, I've been coming to All Saints for about four years now. Um, I still feel like I'm a fairly new face, so I'm really looking forward uh, to giving this talk and sharing some of the thoughts that I've got on this passage and tonight's theme of silence. Um, I'm married to Samantha, and she and Alex and Emily, our children, are here to listen to what I have to say. It's actually my first time preaching in a service like this, so I hope that the feedback in the car on the way home will be constructive. Let's pray. Father God, let us still our hearts and minds at this time and come to a place where we can receive your word and hear your voice. Lord, lead us into your presence so that we can go out and purposefully seek out calmness and stillness in spite of our busy, noisy lives. Lord, bless these words and I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me as I give this talk. In Jesus' name, amen. In theory, this could have been the easiest and shortest sermon of the year. I could have just said, right everyone, we're just going to practice being silent and still before God. Off you go, and then sat back down. But I don't think that would have done much to help us understand the importance of silence as a spiritual discipline, and a practical way, and a really useful way, to help us seek God amongst the noise, the busyness, and the stresses of our lives. I don't know about you, and I think Rob mentioned at the start, uh, but I'm getting older. Um, And along with the ever-increasing number of grey hairs, the realisation that the 1990s was a bit more than a few years ago, and the highlight of my weekend, buying a new vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Indeed, it was exciting. Um, I'm becoming more and more aware of the noise of life, of living in this city, of the traffic, of the bustle, and the many sounds that we listen to all day, every day, um, without even realising. It seems to be never-ending, doesn't it? What I've also found, though, is that it's really useful sometimes to intentionally create a space to have quiet and calm. And that's something that not only helps me be still before God, order my prayers, but helps me deal with whatever stressful situation I might be facing, or to take stock of what's going on in life. 
And I do this maybe by going for a walk, or um, like Rob, I might get on my bike and cycle up to uh, the top of Ringinglow. Or if I'm at home or at work, I might just seek out somewhere quiet to have some peace. Psalm 46 is something of a guide to help us. It says in verse 10 to be still. And if we think our lives are hectic, just think for a moment of the situation the psalmist found when those words were written. They'd been attacked by overwhelming forces. Some scholars believe it was written after the double attack by two massive armies on King Jehoshaphat, as described in 1 Chronicles, when he prayed that wonderful prayer, for we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How much anguish and fear they must have felt. How much noise would there have been in that situation? There would have been cries of despair, the clashing of swords, the shouts of soldiers. There would have been so little time to be still. Yet the wonderful thing is that the psalmist weaves this turbulent, tumultuous torrent of noise into being holy about God. He turns this terrible situation back to praise. He flips their mindset from fear to the firm foundation of God, our ever-present help in times of trouble. There's a powerful illustration in the psalm of a mountain's falling into the heart of the sea, and then the psalm leads towards its conclusion where we're invited to be still, where all the noise and the violent chaos of wars and battles of disorder have stopped, and peace, calm, and silence takes over. The loudest noise ever heard on earth that we know of, at least that humans were allowed to record it, was the eruption of Mount Krakatoa in 1883. Incredibly, the exact thing described in the psalm happened. A mountain quite literally exploded and fell into the sea. It was so loud that the sound waves circled the earth four times. Sailors 40 miles away had their eardrums ruptured. Scientists think that the sound level at 100 miles away was similar to that of standing next to the engines of Concorde on takeoff. All right, I realise that some of you um, might not remember Concorde, but it was a very fast, very loud aeroplane. When I was at university some years ago, every morning at 10.55am, it would make the windows shake as it took off from Heathrow, 35 miles away. And one of the reasons they stopped it flying was simply because it was too loud. I'm sure you understand the point I'm making. Krakatoa was loud. Mountains falling into the sea is the loudest thing that humans have ever recorded. Aeroplanes are loud. Life is loud. The psalmist knows this, and he wants us to move from a place of this overwhelming noise, whatever its cause, and get to a place where we can simply be still and silent before God. So I'd like to share with you a few thoughts of how how we as Christians living out our faith in 2022 can incorporate and use silence, stillness and calm as a spiritual discipline and a practical help when times are tough. If something we do is described as a discipline, it's not a word that we often like, it means it isn't necessarily something we find easy or straightforward. And so it is with practicing silence. And I think the psalm gives us three steps to do this to stop, to surrender, and to submit. Verse 9 says, God has made wars cease. The noisy chaos has stopped. The desolation described follows the aftermath of a long period of battle. 
The weapons have been broken and put down. We get to a point where we intentionally stop doing the things we do that get in the way of stillness before God. At that time, the soldiers would be invited to put down their weapons, to take off their armour and enter the presence of God. Most of us aren't soldiers fighting a war, but I think we do have our own weapons. What are the things we keep hold of and use constantly that distract us from seeking out the stillness or being silent and knowing God? It might be your phone. For me, it might be the constant urge to check in on what's going on in the world as often as I can. It might be a gaming controller. I think I know someone that might apply to. Or it might be the TV remote control. I think I know someone else who that might apply to. Or a football, a racket, a microphone, a cricket bat, a bike, or whatever we use to fill our time. Now, these are all good things. They all enrich our lives and our modern technology and connectedness, a great development for the most part. But whatever weapons we hold on to can get in the way of being still and create that intentional silence where we can hear from God. So sometimes we just need to stop to say, okay, this is now the time to be still. And this might happen at times of enormous stress. Jesus did this on a number of occasions. In fact, he did it so regularly that it's clear that Jesus practiced this as a spiritual discipline himself. In Matthew 14, we read that when John the Baptist was executed and Jesus heard about it, he immediately sought out a quiet place. This is such a strong illustration of the need we have as humans to sometimes get away from everything around us and just be still. It says the crowds were around him seeking him out, Yet Jesus, as a human being, needed time alone. And Jesus, as the Son of God, needed the stillness to hear from his heavenly Father. And when we do stop, we can move on to surrendering to the presence of the Lord. Like Jesus did in the garden, when he was alone, he cried out to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. And in 1 Samuel 3, in that famous verse, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. I don't think we'll be able to hear from God very well unless we've stopped and surrendered to his presence and have entered a place of calmness and stillness and silence where we can hear his voice. And finally, in doing this, we can submit to whatever God says to us. It might be a clear, obvious voice. It might be a quiet whisper. Or often, it might not be anything noticeable at all. But even if that's the case, we can still develop the discipline to help us be still and know God. Sometimes, I think we might expect too much. I've been to lots of services and events over the years where leaders have claimed to hear from God, either on behalf of the congregation as a whole or individuals. And they're often accompanied by serotonin-inducing music, dim lighting and other effects. But on the other hand, what I'm talking about tonight is encouraging us to develop a discipline where purposefully we get into a situation of silence. We might be alone or with others, but not necessarily with other prompts that might distract us from God. Silence is silence. So practically speaking, how might we go about involving this in our lives? The psalmist gives us a clue when it says, at the break of the day. And in Mark 1, verse 35, it says, Jesus got up early and went to a solitary place to pray. 
I'm sure my family would agree, but I'm not a morning person. But the idea of getting up early is a good one. Just for me, it's often very difficult to follow up. At this time of the year, though, isn't it wonderful to wake up early and listen to the birdsong and enjoy the morning light at the time when we're naturally at our most calm? It makes entering stillness and silence more straightforward than maybe at the end of the day when we're tired or anxious about the events of the day just gone by. But even then, that might be beneficial. Whatever works for you. So I just encourage you to try and practice being still and silent before God. Before we moved to Sheffield, I worked in a school that was set up by Quakers. Um, Rob earlier mentioned the the Taisy tradition, um, and Quakers are uh, called the Religious Society of Friends, um, and they have uh, traditionally used silence as an important part of their uh, spiritual routine. Um, But in the school, they had a practice called meeting for worship, where a group will intentionally sit in silence for a period of time, and this silence is only ever interrupted when someone feels moved by the Spirit to bring their ministry. At the school, this was a compulsory session once a week. And for half an hour every week, when I was there, it was Thursday morning, all 400 or so of the students would sit in the hall in complete silence. There was no talking, there was no fidgeting, no checking phones, or any of the other distractions that you might have if you were asked, perhaps, uh, to sit in silence for half an hour. It's tough. Even adults found that challenging. But the students, once they got used to that routine, they fitted into that seamlessly. Um, So I did a master's course, a postgraduate course in education as part of my work as a teacher. Um, And I wanted to find out what made that uh, particularly special. So I did some interviews and spoke to some of the students about their experience of the meeting for worship. And I asked them two questions. I asked them, first of all, what did you think about it at first when you joined the school in year seven? And what did you think about it when you left at the end of sixth form? The year seven said, found it a bit weird, thought it was pointless, didn't really understand why we had to do it, but because it was a tradition of the school, we accepted that. But by the time they got to year 13, when they were 17 and 18 years old, they really valued it. They felt that it was a good chance to to, uh, order their thoughts in the morning. They thought that it was a good opportunity to relax with their friends. But equally, lots of them said it helped develop their own spiritual awareness. And I think this is a good reminder that the more we practice silence and stillness, the more ourselves we might benefit from it. And as Christians, following the example of Jesus, how doing so will help us get to know God better and deepen our faith. Developing silence, though, as a spiritual discipline isn't easy. Rachel Needham, a Christian Quaker, says that some people are scared of the silence. Without the noise that serves to reassure us, that blocks out thoughts we'd rather not have, we're vulnerable and find it's time to face ourselves. We can never hide from God, but it's easy to minimise the effect that he has on our lives, except in the silence when he can be heard. Don't feel restricted by the silence. It's there to set you free from the pressures of life. No one is judging your movements or your thoughts. And no moment of silence is a waste of time. So to sum up, it's encouraging and challenging at the same time to know that Jesus and so many Christians and people of God before us have practiced silence, stillness and calm to hear from God and to pray. 
We might think we live in a busy or a noisy world. Of course we do. But as the psalmist shows us, the times they lived in were even more so, as was the time of Jesus, when people had nothing like the expectations of privacy or space we do today. But we, like those that have gone before us, can practice the silence and stillness and calm in reverence that leads us to a deeper, richer, and more rewarding Christian faith. Amen.